Alicia Campbell is a wife married for 29 years to husband Anthony and the mother of two amazing sons, Rashad and Ahmad, and a bonus mother to daughter, Deanna Hawkins. She's a full-time employee for Vance County as a senior finance technician. She's a duo lead singer and two choirs at St. James Missionary Baptist Church in North Carolina. On October 2, 2016, her 21-year-old son, Ahmad Campbell, and Alicia D'Arnay, who both attended Southern A&T University, were slain by an unknown gunman after an altercation broke out during an off-campus party. They were innocent bystanders who got caught in the line of gunfire that fatal night. Both mothers have built a bond and have started foundations in the honor of their children. Alicia started the Ahmad Campbell Foundation, Inc. in 2018 to assist students to further their education in honor of Ahmad. Alicia is a member of Moms Demand Action Wake Forest Chapter and a 2020 Fellow of the Evertown Survivors Network. Let's welcome her. Welcome back, Grief Nation listeners. And today on our show, I have a very special guest, Alicia Campbell. And she is a part of my segment series, Every Town Survivor Network Edition. She is a gun violence prevention advocate, and she's the voice of her beloved son, Amon Campbell. Hello, Alicia. How are you? Hi, Miami. How are you today? I met Alicia um, in Miami at our fellows training, and she has been just um, an amazing sister to me um, over this time since February, since I got an opportunity to meet her. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? We're going to jump right in because I would love you, um, love for, I love you, of course, but I would definitely love for you to share your story and your journey and grief and, and all things that have, have occurred uh, with your family. Can you please just tell us a little bit about your journey? So um, my journey started um, on October 2nd, 2016, um, when my oldest son, Rashad, received a phone call from one of Ahmad's friends um, that Ahmad had been shot. So um, so he woke me up, he knocked at the door, he was like, Mom, we have to go to Greensboro. And I was like, go to Greensboro? It is 3.30 in the morning, what are you talking about? So he proceeded to say Ahmad had been shot. At that point in time, at that moment, all I could say was Jesus. And at that moment, I knew that Ahmad was gone, but I didn't know. I did not know. So um, from that point on, so I had to wake my husband up, and I woke him up, and I was like, so, I said, we got we to gotta go. He was like, what is it? I said, um, DeVars is on the phone saying that Ahmad has been shot. So my husband jumps up, and he immediately say, I knew we should have made him come home. I knew we should have made him come home. So anyway, so we proceeded to get dressed and um, head to Greensboro, which was an hour and a half drive, uh, which felt like six hours to us. Um, not knowing, um, we tried to talk to someone at the hospital, but they wouldn't give out any information. Um, the only information she did get to my husband is, when we get there, we need to talk to the chaplain which was another sign to us that it was not good. Um, so once we got there, um, my oldest son Rashad and I, we hopped out the car once we pulled in the parking lot to see so my husband could have a chance to find a park because we wanted to get to Ahmad as fast as we could. So we take off running, ran totally the wrong way. Mm -hmm. We went to the actual entrance of the main hospital and had to run back around to the back where we first got out the car. We was in the right place. And because the, their emergency room is like downstairs, like down in the very bottom basement like. So needless to say, we ran in and um, went to the desk and said, you know, who we were or whatever. And so the lady said, well, our nurse will be out to get you shortly. So I'm sitting there praying and just, 
saying, God, please save my son. Just, you know, let him be okay. Um, so then the nurse comes out and get us and we notice that she take us to another area, not where everybody was going, that we were seeing people going into the emergency room. She kind of took us on this back hall, which was another sign, was not a good sign because she wasn't taking us where patients were. We proceeded to go back to the back room and the doctor, a nurse, a detective came in the room with my husband and I and our son Rashad. And when he came in, they sat down. We were already sitting. And um, he said, Ahmad didn't make it. So I, we all just started just boohoo crying. And I noticed my oldest son, he, he was like, no, no. And he went and hit the wall. And so I'm seeing this and I can hear my husband crying. I couldn't see because I was crying myself. Eyes closed, but I could just feel the spirit in this room. And so then I, I was hyperventilating, couldn't get myself together. So the nurse was like, ma'am, you have to calm down. You have to calm down. You're going to get sick. You're going to get sick. So I did, you know, finally calm myself down. And at that point, I just started praying. Um, I, I didn't know anything else to do. I had to pray for my family because I could see the hurt and pain. I felt it for myself, but I could see it in my son and my husband. So I just immediately started praying and I looked, the doctor was crying, the nurse was crying, the detective was crying. And I was like, y'all in here crying. Yeah. I'm the one that's a lost son, you know? Yeah. So. You know, so we all just, you know, so finally I got it out, got myself together, and then I had to go out to the waiting room to let my friends know that he was no longer here with us. And by that time, my sister had made it there, so she knew when I walked out, it was not good. So she could sit on my face. And so, in that point, and then so, after all that, we finally found out that he was attending an off-campus party because he attended North Carolina a &T. And him and about nine of his friends were in a back bedroom because it was an altercation at both doors, like the front door and the back door from my understanding. And so they went to this back bedroom because they heard that someone had a gun. So they had barricaded themselves in this back bedroom wasn't let it was like nine of, nine of them in that room. And so they barricaded the door with a dresser. They turned the lights out. And they all, so one of his friends said, Ahmad, you on the floor? And he said, he said, he said, yes. But this was in between the time the gun was shot, that was fired and it was three shots fired from my understanding. Um, and so, he said Ahmad answered him, but I don't really believe Ahmad actually answered him. I think he wanted to believe that Ahmad had answered him. Mm -hmm. I think that was his way of thinking he was okay. Yeah. Um, because they didn't know until after they heard the three gunshots, then they turned the light on and they noticed that Ahmad and, well, they didn't even notice Ahmad had been shot. Um, Cause evidently Ahmad was like on the other side of the bed and Alicia, they did see her on the floor because she was at the foot of the bed. Um, so they all just took off running. So they all kids, they panicked. They were college students, they was panicking. So they all left, they left out and running and then they started, proceeded to call him out, kept calling him, he wouldn't answer. So um, while he wouldn't answer, they decided to go where his car was parked because another one of the guys rode with him to the party. So they went over to his car, they didn't see him. Then they went back to the crime scene to ask the officers was someone else shot. They knew the girl was shot, but they didn't know anybody else was. And they was like, yes, a young black male with a gray and black hoodie on, which Ahmad wore his hoodie all the time, everywhere. The same black and gray Nike hoodie. And so, and then they told him and they was like, well, he's gone on the first ambulance, he's already left. So that's when he called us as they were traveling to the hospital. Um, 
as right now, um, we still, it took about 18 months for an arrest. Um, so we're still waiting on that. I'm so sorry for your loss and that there was a another life also affected um, in this tragedy because that's really what it was a tragedy on campus um, for two slain victims to be um, to have to leave this world over just senselessness of gun violence and we will definitely get into what you're doing to uh, continue on with Ahmad's voice and and, and how you have um, gone through the process of advocating. So thank you so much for painting the picture and the visual of what happened so that we can understand, you know, this is what I'm left with in the, not necessarily of the, um, all the amazing parts of your son, of course, but these are the, the nightly, um, grieving grievances and occurrences that we have to visualize as parents or as mothers and when we think about how our children left this earth so thank you for sharing that with us um and i'm truly truly uh, sorry um that you being a mother had to even experience that but we are here um it's so hard to even remember those times uh, or having to receive that phone call about what happened um, so to shed light on the situation, can you just please tell us who Ahmad is outside of how he died? Who was your baby to you? Okay. Ahmad was my gentle giant. He was so compassionate, humble. Um, he was a person like if I sneeze, he would be here, mom, here's a tissue. Um, you know, if someone else drops something, oh, I got it, I pick it up. He was just so, he was just the sweetest person. Actually, my sister and I used to say all the time, this boy is just too good to be true because he just, he had one whooping in his entire life, <laughs> one. Like, and his mom, me, gave him that one whooping, okay. you know, and, and it was basically because him and his brother would call themselves exploring. <laughs> they wanted to go out and explore. So they went to this creek in the neighborhood that I never, I never allowed them to go out my sight. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to have been playing basketball right up the street. Mm -hmm. And just, just this particular day, they wanted to go exploring is what Amar said. Mom, we, we was just exploring. He <laughs> was like five. Like, oh, oh no, you don't explore without letting me know. I know that's right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm at home panicking. Their dad at that time he was working swing shift, so it was he at that particular day he was on second shift. So for me to have to call him off of work was just not a good sign. Uh oh. I said I can't find the kids. He said, What do you mean? I said I cannot find the kids. <laughs> he was like, What do you mean? I said, they went up the street to play basketball, but they're not there. I have drove around the block. I have yelled their names. Uh -oh. They're not answering. I don't know what else to do. I'll be there. So he, by the time he came home, they appeared. Because when I drove around, I saw some bikes at the edge of the woods. Freaked me out. Yeah. Lord, somebody have kidnapped uh huh. You know, I said, oh, Lord. You know, and they weren't even riding their bikes. It, it was somebody else's bike. That uh huh. Was so then they come strolling across the street. By the time their dad had pulled up, they was like, what, what's wrong? <laughs> I've been calling you guys, driving around the neighborhood, yelling your names. Oh, we can hear you. We was at the creek. At the creek? What? Boys. <laughs> Boys. They were doing boy things. Yeah. But still, at that time, I was livid. His brother was probably like, 10 and he was uh -huh. like five and I was uh -huh. like, oh no, 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 no. Y'all <laughs> do not do anything but what you say you want to do. Yeah. And just to say that, I, after that, our boys, we almost had to make them leave home. Mm -hmm. They didn't go anywhere. They didn't do any partying. Like just, you know, when they got to high school, they had a little high school. I had to make them out to go to his own prom. Because they, you know, Amai used to say all the time, because we have a high black on black crime in our county that we live in. And so with that, Amai was like, oh no. 
I ain't going to no parties. I don't have time to be ducking and dodging bullets. Mm. Who would have ever thought he would get killed by a bullet? I, I wouldn't have never thought that because he, he just didn't participate in stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, and Ahmad was really close friends with a lot of young men that were quote unquote gang affiliated. Mm-hmm. And you know, and they, you know, they, they all knew Ahmad and he knew them. He would speak because that he was just that type of person. He didn't he yeah. didn't see like right now today, we have a lot of racial issues going on. Ahmad didn't see color. He didn't yeah. see whether he was black, white, Hispanic, blue, purple. He didn't see that. He yeah. always saw the good in people yeah. and they respected him for that. And they always spoke and they, they would say, well, Ma, we finna go do some things we shouldn't be doing. He said, okay, I'll holler at y'all later. <laughs> he was going by, he said, oh, he's all right, you good, see you. Because yeah. they knew he would not, you know, he just didn't participate in those things. That was not something that he wanted to do. So for him to actually leave this world the way he did, it was very shocking to everyone. All of his friends, they call me or they see me and I'm like, Ma, we still cannot believe this happened to Ahmad because he wasn't even a partier. And just yeah. for him to go out that night, but he had had a bad test and he just wanted to relax his mind. Yeah. Mm. Wow. My baby. So did you go to counseling um, after, you know, some time of, you know, losing Ahmad? Did you do any of the counseling or grief work? Um, we went to um, grief counseling. Um, the first one we went to um, was at Duke. It's Duke Hospice, what, but they do bereavement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, counseling, and my husband and I went together um, and met with the counselor one on one. It was not good for us. It was hard for us to just sit there, just us two in pain and. And just to talk about him, it was it was very difficult. Yeah. So um, towards the end of that session, um, the counselor actually said, he was like, well, look, you guys seem like you're having a, you know, a difficult time um, one-on-one. So he was like, we can even have a group session where we have other parents that have lost children. Well, it may not be the same thing, same situation, but just loss of a child, period. And we're in a group setting. Mm-hmm. Would y'all like to do that? And we was like, yes. Cause just us talking about him the whole time, oh, yeah. it was not for us. Yeah, uh, We do a lot better with a group. And after that, um, we joined the loss of a child support group that we meet mm-hmm. once a month. And we still doing that. Um, we, not do, we did the group session at Duke about 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't been back to them but we just, after that, maybe about six months, we started with loss of a child, local group that we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, we started using them. And that's that's them. interesting that you stated that because I mean, it's not that counseling is not for everybody. No, we're not saying that. It's just that you have to find what best works for your situation and the type of loss that you've had. And I'm so glad that um, your counselor just did make other suggestions that, hey, this is probably better for you. And and then you kind of knowing that this is what's best for us. And you continued on because a lot of people, first, a lot of people don't even go to um, seek right. counsel. And then the, the next thing is um, they just give up and, and, and not try to, you know, um, do any of the other grief work, like if it is in a setting of a group. So I'm so grateful that you are able to do that. So I'm wondering, um, as a part of um, the stages of grief and some of the things that um, that a typical, you know, grieving process may go through or one may go through during that time period, was there any part of the um, framework of the five stages of grief, which is, you know, the denial, shock, um, anger, bargaining, depression, and um, also acceptance, any part of those um, can you share that you remember being in one of those parts of the process that maybe affected you or that you can remember? Yes, the denial, absolutely. For a while, like during the week, I was okay. But on the weekends, because Ahmad pretty much came home about every weekend or every other weekend. And with him, 
not coming in on the weekends was very hard for us um because during the week like i said i work during the week mm-hmm. um to work like normal go to the gym you know doing our normal routine during the week is the weekends the weekends were the hardest to get through because Ahmad, we were just so used to him being here and then just knowing that he wasn't here and he wasn't coming like during the week i was like okay he's just away at school mm-hmm. which he yeah. was he was in college so you know it didn't bother me that he wasn't here during the week but on the weekends yeah oh my goodness it was very hard just knowing that i couldn't physically see him i couldn't talk to him um and our family was such a close-knit family that you know we used to do phone calls and we would do three-way because mm-hmm. like my son my oldest son Rashad was in Charlotte and Ahmad might be in Greensboro and me, my husband and I here at home and we would call them and we we might be just watching the football game together just talking about the football game and those things that was hard for us to get through because yeah. we lost that yeah absolutely and that's very understandable um because it was, it got rid of the normalcy and the way things were. And um, that's gotta be difficult to um, to experience, um, no longer having that ability to do that. Um, so out of those complex, uh, complexities of, of denial, what part of the process do you feel like, if there was any regret at all, um, was there, are there any regrets, I guess I could ask? Yes, of course, um, like, First thing my husband said when I woke him up, he regret not getting him, convincing him to come on home because his older brother was here. He's never not came home when his older brother was here because he, you know, looked forward to spending time with his big brother because, you know, he he lived in Charlotte. He was away in college. So for them to come here and meet, I mean, like I said, our family was just so close together. And then, you know, and then after my husband said that, and he said it a couple of times, I should have made him come home. I should have made him come home. I said, you know, I had to stop and think for myself, well, you know, we could have made him come home, but that doesn't mean he would still be here with us because he could have very well had an car accident mm-hmm. on the way home and still not made it home to us. You know, so I just, you know, in my spiritual realm, I just said, you know, it was God's plan, you know, do I hate the way it happened? Yes, I do. Do I hurt? Yes, I do. But I still had to come to terms with the fact that it was nothing we could have done to prevent it. It was nothing we could have done to prevent it. If we could, we would have. As parents, as you know, and Ahmad knows we would do any and everything for him. And if we could have prevented that, it surely we would have didn't done so. But Yes, yes, yes. I, thank you so much for saying that because um, regrets are those reactions that we, um, and sometimes we'll react to those um, conscious negative emotions, um, not realizing that there's nothing that we could have done to change it or to do any, make anything else happen differently, like you stated, which is so important. And sometimes um, when interviewing and asking people about regrets, that kind of sits in your solar plex and be like, it's like a, ugh hard feeling or difficult feeling to even um, answer or to adjust to because it's stuff that we don't want to deal with but yet um, I'm so grateful that you in your spirituality was able to say hey I can't keep beating we can't keep beating ourselves and you didn't allow your husband to keep beating himself up about that um and and just and just getting to the logic of things because there was nothing that you could you could have done differently as you stated and so thank you so much for um sharing that in my um introduction of you i stated that you are the voice of ahmad so what does that mean to you as his mother as um as a, a mother of ahmad ahmad at a young age um probably about maybe first or second grade, he had like, well, even before then, um, people had difficulty understanding what Ahmad would say. And he used to get frustrated. You can see the frustration in his face that people couldn't understand him. For one, he was very shy. So, and he wouldn't look people in the face. 
he, you know, he'd bat his eyes and be all over the place. He could never actually look you face to face. Not his mom, not his dad, not his brother. No one. He would actually look at you face to face. And so he had this little speech impediment, you know. And so I, I found myself at a very young age, I was his voice. And I, I became his voice at a young age. And now that he's gone, I am continually to be his voice because he can't speak up for himself. He can't, he can't advocate for senses of gun violence. He can't be here. He can't, how can he tell people about being out at a off-campus party like, I mean, he can't say anything any, anymore. So it is ironic that, you know, I started out being his voice as a young mm-hmm. child, and now I'm still Ahmad's voice. Yeah. And I want to use my voice to advocate against sense of gun violence. Um, because, you know, why was it a gun on an off-campus party? Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. I, I don't understand. I, I just, you know, a party is a party. Yeah. Just to understand why guns have to be involved. Absolutely. And you talked about um, him having this um, speech impediment, and um, and I know off cam- off camera we had talked earlier about um, him having a learning disability. Um, if you had an opportunity to speak to a mother going through the process with um, raising a child with a learning disability, what would you be able to share from your experience as a mother um, and giving some insight to, yes, he he had all these things, but he was in college. So what could you share with um, the early on parts of a, a mother motherhood and experiencing that with a child? So after, you know, he, he did start speech therapy in like the second grade. Um, so he would get pulled out certain times during the day. But I still noticed that he was struggling um, in school with his um, AR reading. Um, he would, I mean, he would read the book. We, I would ask him questions. Me and him worked diligently because he was determined to be successful because that's just he want to be just smart just like his big brother mm-hmm. so i kept i kept going i've been like i said i've been his voice for a long time so i went to the school i said okay i have done everything i can do i have put him in tutoring i have worked with him this boy can tell me i can turn the page and he can tell me about word for word on this page, I'm not understanding why he's still not passing these our AR reading goals. I don't understand why he's not still passing. Yeah. Something is missing. So I said, well, can y'all test him? And they was like, well, he don't qualify. So what do you mean he don't qualify? Hmm. Well, he, well, when we do these little tests and his, he's like the bare minimum. So I got frustrated. And then, well, his third grade teacher wanted to hold him back. Well, Ahmad was born in November, so I didn't want him to be held back. He already didn't start school with the, yeah. he was always the oldest anyway mm-hmm. in his class. So I was like, no, don't hold him back. I said, only way you can hold him back if he's not at his goal. That's yeah. the way I would let you hold him back. She was like, well, I don't know what else you want me to do. I said, okay. So I proceeded to go ahead and have Ahmad tested um, with the psychologist myself. Uh, a psychologist, Dr. McCarthy. He was a great man. And so Dr. McCarthy, you know, he did a screening. And at the end of the screening, we realized that Ahmad had a learning disability in reading. So this is why he was still struggling. And most of it was because he was timed. Those tests of reading tests were timed. So he needed extended time so he wouldn't be frustrated and he just answered any kind of way. Mm-hmm. So Ahmad didn't let that stop him. He, he was like, okay, well, and then he was like, okay, mom. And you know, he came to me, he was like, mom, don't you know, you tell us every morning we pray. And I said, yes, we pray before we go to school, yes. He said, mom, stop worrying about me. Mm. And I was like, son, but, because at the time, I was in school myself to get my associate's degree. He was like, Mom, don't quit school. You you can do it. I'm going to be okay. Mom, I'm good. 
his famous quote. So with that being said, you know, Ahmad was just so determined to do. So then, so I turned in the information to the school. They was like, oh, you had them tested? I was like, yes. What am I supposed to do? I have done tutoring. I did what they call civil learning, civil learning center. Mm -hmm. I have done everything I could possibly do as a parent and I refused to let him fail. Yeah. So then they gave him extended time. Um, he still had some struggles, but he was no AB student. He was maybe a CD student all the way through until he got to high school. When he got to high school, something just totally clicked. Wow. Um, Ahmad was a straight A student. He surpassed all of that. Now, granted, he still had his individual educational plans. Every, you know, he still had extended time and everything, but he was able to succeed to where he was able to attend North Carolina A&T. Wow. And I will say to moms who have children that have some learning disabilities, don't let that stop you. Keep pushing. If your child wants to do it, keep pushing them. Yeah, They can do it. Yeah. It is, it's nothing that they cannot do. And Ahmad was proof because when he went off to North Carolina A&T, he still had his IEP plan. The instructors had letters. He was to get extended time and extra tutoring. And that's why he was successful. Wow, that is so amazing. And thank you for sharing that for to mothers or fathers even um, that do have children that struggle with disabilities, but yet they are still capable of, like you said, succeeding. So thank you so much for sharing that because that's important. And a lot of times with my show, uh, uh, people just think that it's, oh, it's just about this just grieving process. But there's so many highlights of our children's lives that we must um, share because um, it will be able to um, touch another individual just by hearing this um, and, and giving them the willpower to just move on, um, you know, in times that we, we, we're all challenged in something. So I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to share that. Um, so share with us your advocacy work uh, with Moms Demand Action and also as far as being a fellow. So after Ahmad was killed, and I didn't feel like I had, you know, my weekends were just, they were stressful and I just felt so bad all the time. So I just started searching um, Moms Against Gun Violence. Mm -hmm. And I happened to come up with Moms of Men Action. This was like December, 2017. So that's when I went to my first initial Moms of Men Action meeting, which was an hour and 20 minutes away from my house. So my mom, my, my two sisters, my nephew um, went with me up to um, it's a Raleigh, which was the closest place for us at the time, to this first meeting. And I told them, you know, I'm a survivor and I want to get into this. Um, just I want to advocate against gun violence because it has affected me. Mm -hmm. And actually, to be honest with you, they told me, well, you know, you're the survivor. I was like, huh? Yeah, you're, you're the survivor. I was like, I said, no, my son didn't make it. They said, no, listen, you're surviving the aftermath. I said, oh, right. Okay, okay. I didn't, you know, you don't think, I didn't think like that. Right, I didn't either. I, got I, didn't, I was like, what? I'm not surviving. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I just want to advocate. I want to do, let me know what I can do to change these gun laws, to, you know, to just work, to just do whatever I can do to make it a better and safer place. Yeah. I do not want another parent to just go through the pain, the hurt, the stress, the depression that I went through. Yeah. So I, so that's how I got started with them. And so, and I went to GSU, which is um, Gun Sense University, um, the in 2018, that was the first time I went. So I went there and it was in Atlanta. Um, I flew down by myself and I you know, met some wonderful, wonderful people, um, some survivors 
Um, you know, I learned what survival was at the time. Um, but it was so amazing to be amongst people that knew how I felt. Yeah. You know, and and I it, they empowered me to want to do more and more each and every time. So this last time I went um, in DC, 2019, I I met Brenda Moss, mm-hmm. who um, was a speaker for that year that I didn't even know. But you know, so I, we were sitting in the hotel lobby, and a fr- my friend Diane's like, she said, "Alicia, you should be a Survivor Fellow." I said, "What is that?" <laughs> I didn't know what that was. Yeah. What is it? She said, "I think your." She said, "Your story is powerful. You really need." She's like, wait a minute, let me get Brenda. She's a survivor fellow. I need to introduce you to. I was like, okay, you know, sure, you know, whatever, whatever I can do, I want to do it. If I, if my telling my story is going to help, hey, let's do it. Yeah. So I, she introduced me to Brenda, and that that was the day before the big gathering we had. And then not then when Brenda got up and spoke. Oh my gosh. Oh my. <laughs> that speech. <laughs> Woo. That speech will get me every time. I, oh. I, I listen to it again, over and over again. It was so powerful. Absolutely. Oh, oh man. She just gave me the courage. And so when Brenda and I sat down and, she, you know, we introduced ourselves and whatever. And then she was like, well, you know, you look out for the emails, you know, when they announced the application for survivors. I was like, okay. Yeah. Then you really want to do this, don't you? I said, Absolutely. I want to, I want to do whatever I can do. And my biggest thing I think I can do is tell my story. Cause it's my story. Absolutely. I can't tell your story, mm-hmm. but I can tell my story. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay. And so, um, in February I had the lovely pleasures of going to, since we, I was one of the chosen to go to the South Miami to do survival fellowship training. I met my beautiful, wonderful roommate, Miami. <laughs> it was so powerful just to, just to be amongst so many people that really understand yeah. what you're going through. Absolutely. And you and I kind of just, it was like I walked in the door to my best friend. It was like we already kind of knew each other. We just were just talking all night long. We would talk and we would just have, yeah. we had these side jokes while we're supposed to be in our training. <laughs> it was just, we just connected like no other. And I was just so glad. And it was just such a pleasure to uh, be your roommate, to learn about your, your, your amazing son and just um, your story. And we got along so well. We still do. And yes, uh, absolutely. You're you're just always amazing. She always is sharing. Um, um, it's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk um, episode. So thank you so much. I really truly appreciate everything that you do. Um, yes, we had an amazing time. It was a good time had there, and just a joy to be with each other. And also, they're clowning with uh, Brenda Moss there. Uh, we had a good time. <laughs> We truly did. Um, So how, let's talk about the, um, the pandemic and, and has that, um, what's happening now with the pandemic, with COVID and just kind of shutting down and also what's happening in America now with all the social injustices coming to light, um, even more so now in this time, but has there been any effects or that has called any triggers uh, for you or your family during this time? Um, absolutely. Um, the young guy in Georgia, Atlanta, I believe it was, mm-hmm. that uh, was killed out while he was jogging. Ahmad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, and by the way, yeah, his name was Ahmad as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very sickening. Yeah. Um, it, it broke my heart because I, I know my Ahmad. And like I said, he didn't see no color. So these racial things that are going on now are very trying. Um, I just cannot believe how so many innocent people are just getting killed by these guns. And it does, it does send off tremendous triggers. Yeah. Like I have like flashbacks. Like I can remember my son knocking on the door. Sometimes I go to sleep. I can hear him knocking the door and there's nobody there, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it does affect me. 
Oh, time and time again. Absolutely. And, you know, and also with the pandemic going on right now, it has, we have not been to trial. So I know, of course, that has pushed us back once again. Um, the district attorney still says we're going to go to trial this fall. Uh, will we? I don't know. Um, I, I really want to get through this trial and get it over with because the longer it takes the harder it is for me yeah um i talked with mary who is also her daughter alicia dierdene who got killed the same time as my ahmad um and you know she lives in chicago so we talk all the time you know she has some family here in north carolina so and me and her were saying are we gonna ever go to trial and I was like I don't know it it seems like and it seems like the longer you wait the more chances justice won't be served but do I know that no Mm -hmm. but it bothers me and then I'm looking at all these other things that are going on they waited so long to make arrests with the young man um, in Atlanta Ahmad there and I'm like oh my gosh oh my gosh so you know it our, is justice going to be served? Yeah, yeah. Still waiting. Yeah. Oh, that is such a connection with you being a mother that has not gone um, through the process um, receiving justice. And then, like you're saying, hearing of what's happening here in Atlanta with the mom case and how long it's t- it took, you know, um, just to even, for the public to even realize what happened and then to still be in the awaitings because of, like you said, court is being held up now and you have this date and you're participating on um, having that to be a closure for you and do we know it's going to actually happen? Oh, my heart goes to you and I'm just going to be praying for you and your family and also um, Alicia's mom and and family that um, it does happen during that time period. Um, I always often tell friends or groups that I'm in and if they're experiencing that because they're awaiting um, trial or whatnot just pray pray continuously I know you do that anyway but pray for the time and pray for the date pray for the you know that it's not a long trial pray you know we kind of forget those little intricate things um, in our prayer because we're just praying of course uh, you know to relieve the stress of our feelings but God says to be specific in In your prayer. prayer So be specific about the time, the date, the how long it's going to take the the um, the justice to be prevailed, and you know the sentencing. Um, we just have to focus in on that, and, and I'm going to be praying with you and both of your families um, during that time when it comes. Now, talk to us about some of the things that you are doing to honor uh, Ahmad, like your foundation. Okay. So after Ahmad was killed the people oh my goodness were so amazing um we received like so many cards and with money checks money orders it was so overwhelming that our family decided to do an Ahmad Campbell scholarship mm-hmm. so and then my husband said well we can't forget Alicia I was like, yeah. So, so I called Mary. I said, Mary, I said, we, our family is planning on doing, you know, a scholarship in honor of Ahmad, and we would like to include Alicia. And she was like, oh, that is great. Yes, that's that's fine. So, you know, of course, I had to, because we didn't know each other from just because our kids got killed together. That's that's the only because they didn't our kids didn't know each other or anything. Mm. So it just happened to be. And um, so I said, but I would like to name my scholarship Ahmad and Alicia Scholarship. Oh, yeah. And she was like, oh, that is so nice. We were going to do the same thing. So I'm going to name mine Alicia and Ahmad Scholarship. Mm. So getting back to receiving so much money, we received so much money that I was able to, this, because this was in October, by May, I was able to give away $4,000. Oh, wow. I gave away, we have two high schools in the county that we live in, which I'm very small here. 
and each student got a thousand dollars. I got a boy and a girl at two, the two different schools mm-hmm. in honor of Ahmad and oh. girl in my in honor of Alicia. I chose I always choose a boy and a girl. Mm. And so and after I did that, and that was just out of just gifts that people gave us. Yeah. So my son said, Well mom, why don't we start a foundation? Mm-hmm. I was like, What? He's like, yeah, let's start a nonprofit foundation so we can. He said, I want to continue to do this. I want to, I want to keep his name alive. I, I was like, yeah, that does sound good. And so that's so. At that point, we started researching, trying to figure out how do I start my nonprofit organization, um, in which I did, and it's the Ahmad Campbell Foundation. Mm-hmm. And we started that. And what we do, our foundation right now, we just concentrating on giving students scholarships to continue their education yeah. because that's something that and I target kids that I try to try I try to target kids that you know it's hard because I'm always in that in between medium where you know you don't get qualified for a lot of scholarships so mm-hmm. I try to either look for a student that may may have ADHD ADD or mm-hmm just have some type of learning disabilities, but I can't be specific on that. So, but I I try, I try really hard. You know, that was my goal because, you know, Ahmad, you know, he can find any scholarships that he qualified for. So, but I was like, son, just apply anyway. Yeah. You know, you never know. Somebody else may not, because they say, well, I don't qualify and nobody, nobody qualifies and nobody apply. Yeah. So I pushed the issue, you know, with, you know, go ahead and apply and in which he did or whatever. And so now we just continue. We have a, a annual event each year where we have food and entertainment. Mm. Um, this past year was really fun because, um, like I said, I always include, include Alicia. So this year we had Family Feud. So we had a team Ahmad and team Alicia. <laughs> How cute is that? <laughs> yes, the only thing the pandemic messed us up because Mary then was not able to attend because at the yeah. time we had it, they weren't, she wasn't, you know, able to come fly down from Chicago. But it took, we just, you know, I, we just ended up getting some volunteers to be on Alicia's team because Ahmad mm-hmm. team we already had set, um, which was, it was fun because you know, even though it hurts, but it, it's good to have a good time. So we get together, we have great food and entertainment, and it's a fundraiser. And this year we kind of dressed down, because the first two years we did like a gala, everybody did black tie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was real fancy. And then my husband said, that's not a mod. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was yeah. Sneakers. He, he he didn't do that. He wore those dress up person. So this past year, we actually did a Mod Campbell Foundation t shirts and jeans. Okay. So in which it turned out. So we were more more a Mod speed, kind of laid back. So, which yeah. yeah. it, it turned out really good. You know, um, our family also uh, not only we sell t shirts. Um, my mom this year, um, because of the pandemic, has been making masks. Hmm. So she's making masks every day. And so I get, they give me a portion of that that they, you know, receive back to, to donate back to the foundation. Wow. You're doing so much. It's so yeah. busy. Even during the pandemic, I think we've gotten even yes. busier during the pandemic, right? Right. <laughs> so right. because of your advocacy work, tell us what um, are some important self-care um, things that you've done along, the, um, along your path of grief? Um, the main thing I started because uh, you know I already had some health issues um, prior to Ahmad's death but because um, I'm a type 2 diabetic so I had stopped working out and just you know just sobbing up everything and of course I was eating things I should not eat mm-hmm. um, but since then I have you know increased my exercise trying to lose weight to, you know, get my diabetes under control in which 
it happened until the pandemic occurred and we can't go to the gym. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So right now I, you know, I do have a little portable elliptical, but it just, it's not like working out at the gym. Cause you know, you at home, you're not going to work out as much. <laughs> right. I know I don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, not only that, I, you know, like I said, I got involved with Moms Men Action so I can be busy on the weekends. Um, I'm prepared to speak any weekend, anybody asks. I have been to several events um, mm-hmm. to tell my story um, yeah. for moms um, in Raleigh, Wake Forest, just several, Durham, I've been several different places um, to participate in anything that I can, even if I'm just there as a support, not necessarily speaking, yeah. I'm there. Um, it's kind of hard to do things for me during the week, Monday through Friday, because I work. But if there's anything that I can do after after work or on the weekends, I'm there. Mm-hmm. And, but you haven't told me, like, what are you doing for self-care for you? That's what I want to hear. I know you're going to be advocating all over the world. That's just who you are. You got to tell this story. That's one thing I do know about you. <laughs> But well, what something. What are you? How are you taking care of yourself? Um. Uh-oh. Well, actually, my husband and I, you know, we started walking. That that helped us okay. in the evenings, um, because we can talk as we walk in the evenings. Yeah. Um, and then I, I'm more active at church. Okay. I um, since then have started um, singing in a choir. Again, okay, I yes, that's right. okay. <laughs> I hadn't did that in a, a long time, so yeah. I got back into singing in the choir. Um, yeah. and like everything that I've started has just been cut out with pandemic, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I still love it because I'm still learning new songs because mm-hmm. I also like to lead songs, so yeah, so I'm working on new songs all the time. Um, and um, my daughter my bonus daughter Mm -hmm. um she keeps me busy keeps me real busy so we we do a lot of shopping (laughs) (laughs) my husband might not say that's self-care but (laughs) but it's your therapy right (laughs) my therapy (laughs) absolutely and i just think that it is so important because a lot of times with um the type of work that we do with our advocacy we don't take the time to even during the pandemic, I mean, cause there has been Zoom at the Zoom at the Zoom, you know, for our trainings and, you know, we're getting ready to um, have our um, GSU again, um, that's coming up and we just got over, we're orange and, you know, we're always in these activities, but it's so imperative. And, and moms definitely does a great job of making sure that we are up to speed with um our self-care there we you know we do actual trainings and and things of that sort but at the end of the day do we actually do those things and and i just truly um believe that they're important um your prayer life breathing meditation like you said being in the choir uh, me for me it's listening to jazz um um, actually um if i'm anxious one of the things that i've started doing is um asking myself is this particular situation um gonna detour anything in my life um worse than me losing my son you know because that was like that's the hardest tragedy I've had I've had to live through besides that my own chronic pain but is it that bad that I can't make it through this process so I kind of always kind of alter um my thought process when I'm having anxiety or, or I feel you know some type of way I always try to you know weigh those thoughts um because they're mostly intrusive thoughts that try to come in and take us down but um with that, I try to always have like a little quick list and, and, and one it's my little quick list is right here. I have it in my bathroom. I have it in my office. I have it in my, my kitchen, you know, because we just don't remember in those times that we're anxious, what can we do readily fast to be able to get over that? So um, that's why I think it's kind of important to always ask um, my, my featured guests, what are some of the things that you do? Because it, it could possibly help someone else that is listening. Oh, yeah, I can start doing that. Um, or you'll just think about it. Because when you're in that rational mind, your unrational mind of scarcity, you're not thinking of what can I do to alter that? So 
it's important. So if it's your shopping therapy, girl, get your shopping therapy on. <laughs> and your exercise, I know you say you do that. So yes, keep going, keep going with that because it's just gonna only um, um, help your process of your journey through grief. And um, so share your personal quote with us. My personal quote is, I'm good. And why is that? Because that is what Ahmad used to always say. Mom, I'm good. So, you know, I'm going to keep his quote going. I'm good. Oh, right. I love it. I love it. I love it. And how can uh, my Grief Nation listeners hear more about your story? What are your social media outlets, if you could share? I, I can be located on Facebook, um, Alicia Taylor Campbell. I also have the Mark Campbell Foundation. And I also have another page called Justice for Ahmad and Alicia. Um, they both have some videos of where I spoke um, with the media after his death. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I may have a couple of events that are also located on one of the two. Um, and you also can check out my website, www.thecampbellfoundation.org. And that's for Ahmad. Um, and we have different things on there where we got pictures of um, Scott, the scholars who got the scholarships. Mm -hmm. um, and we also do a walk every year at his old high school. Yeah. Um, it's, it's called the Campbell Memorial Walk. Um, the very first one, uh, Mary attended. And um, I'm very afraid of birds. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, this young man who went to school with Ahmad, very close friends of the family, uh -huh. um, him and his mom wanted to get some doves, one for Alicia, one for Ahmad, because like mm -hmm. I said, they were, you know, they went together. Mm -hmm. When they, when I say they went together, they went to heaven together, because yeah. they didn't even know each other. So they got some doves for us to release. Oh my. <laughs> so I had to hold a bird. <laughs> Wow. So I, I had to hold a bird and I looked at Mary. I said, Mary, have you ever held a bird? No. And she's like, okay, they need to hear up and say release. <laughs> so that was very interesting. But yeah, yeah we, we do this a walk every year. And actually this past year, Mary had her first one walk in Chicago. And my sisters and I flew to Chicago to attend her her um, walk. Yes. It's so good that how you guys support each other um, and I'm sure your bond, of course, because of your children. But um, talk to us about that relationship with between you and her a little bit more in detail. So Mary and I, you know, after we finally met um, when she came the first time she we met each other, she came down for the um, Campbell Memorial Walk. Her and her sister, because she has a sister that lives in Clemensville. And it was like, we've been knowing each other forever. Like, she's my big sister. She's yeah. older than me. So I was like, you know, and our bond, and, and the more we talk, we realized that Ahmad and Alicia had so much in common. Like, she was ADHD or ADD, one of them. But... I mean, and then, and I was like, yeah, Ma had learning disability, you know, and we just, and he ran track, she ran track. Wow. It was just so, they had so much in common, which was crazy. And I just realized today that Elise's birthday is on February the 18th and Ma's football jersey number was number 18. Oh. You know, and so Mary and I, we talk weekly Mm -hmm. um, if she's having a bad day, she'll call me. If I'm having a bad day, I'll call her. And most of the time, we can sense when the other person actually have it. You you would think we we were just so entwined after this tragedy, but this tragedy has brought two families together that you know you we just love one another. We yeah. love each other um, unconditionally, conditionally. We just love each other and. We are there to support each other with everything. Wow, that's a, I mean, I'm sorry about, of course, how you got, how the two of you have had to um, become acquaintance, but it's just a lovely story hearing that both of you um, can rely on each other 
and um, utilize each other for strength um, during the hard times and, and remembering. And then that both of you remember each other's um, child on certain dates. It's just, that's a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful that um, you and her have this beautiful relationship that you have developed um, because of this tragedy. But it just shows us how we can unite and pull together no matter, you know, no matter what the circumstances are that, you know, God sees us and he always gives us a helpmate through it. So um, if I was to say to you, what is grief to you? So grief is, and you would say. Grief is suffering a loss of a loved one that was just taken away from you, whether it was in sickness or in tragedy. It just is it, a very painful, very anxious feeling situation that you just have to take one day at a time to get through it. And grief is not? Fun, exciting, none of the above. Nothing good of, about it is, is nothing good about it. It's, it's horrible. Thank you so much for sharing that because I, I'm often wondering like what does what do people feel when you actually talk about grief and it seems like over the last for me of course Taiki originally was shot in um, 2011 but when he passed in 2017 um, for me it's just like and maybe this is a bad analogy but it's like when you get a new car you see it all the time you, you know you see that all the time and so when grief actually actually struck me um, after the death that word just became so popular or surrounding me grief 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 this it was grief that grief that and I think that's a, a part that that has been a part of my healing um just getting used to the word and what it was and I know I had experienced it you know losing a father and a sister but it was nothing like my child right losing that you know so um it just became this word that I wanted to know more about and to help others heal through that process as I am continually um healing um so before I let you go, what are um, what has your attention? And no, before I even say that, um, what is your call to action here today? Um, honor, join to six four four three three. That's my call to action. Yes, get this in this gun violence and work on these gun laws. Absolutely. And how can one, um, I know you said you can either text, right? You could text that um, 64433 to join, but you can also do honor. And a lot of times I like to explain if they do text honor, that's um, in supports that we're sharing our story. And, 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 and um, if you're gonna do the join to 64433, someone will be able to contact you to say, hey, we're moms and we want to support you if you want to join in XYZ, you know, we'll follow. I'm not really sure of how the text comes across, but <laughs> I do right. know um, someone will reach out to you in statement of, yeah, if you would like to join moms. But I always like to give our fellows the opportunity to, of, of course, express their honor um, to that text number because it, sh it lets um, every town know that we're doing our part. We're sharing our story. Right. So thank you for that. So before I let you go, what has your attention being a leader in your community that would um, you would like to see change or bring further awareness to? Well, like I said in the beginning, I attend Moms. Um, the Man Action Group is about 30 minute drive for me. I would like to start my own chapter here um, locally um, for one, it's very necessary here. We have a lot of black on black crime in this little county. Like I said before, Ahmad didn't even want to go out. He wouldn't even go to parties or anything here in our little small town because it was so much shooting and carrying on so much of that in our little small county. Yeah. So I would love to start a chapter. Um, that's a goal of mine, working on it. I was hoping I would be done with trials so I can really work on it. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep my focus and not get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. That's another way to self-care myself. So yeah. I don't want to get overwhelmed 
with trying to start a chapter and being able to keep it running well, um, being a full-time employee is going to be kind of hard for me. And But that's a goal that I am working on. Okay. Well, thank you. And good luck to you on that. And I'm sure um, we'll be able to round up as many that have started their own to support you. And um, I'll definitely be supporting you in any time that, you know, you need anything with um, just getting the word out even if you decide, okay, um, I'm going to start my chapter, but I want to promote it. I'm here for you to do that. Um, would love to see both you and Marion um, in the coming future to both talk, to have both sides of you talking about um, your journey and how you guys have become, you know, one family um, through the loss and tragedy of your, losing your son and her, um, her daughter. So thank you so much for coming on it's the Miami Night Show and have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners. And thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude for our special guest, Alicia Campbell, for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Night, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye. <laughs>